Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 391 of How Do You Write? I am Rachel Heron, and I'm so thrilled to be here with you today as I am talking to Ching Sun Stubis. This is a fantastic interview. We talk about um, crafting, particularly quilting as a metaphor for nonfiction, which I found really beautiful. We talk about the tremendous kindness of writers and a very, very special book. You will want to stick around for this one. So what has been going on around here? A lot. It feels like a lot. I am blowing through my vent fantastic copy edits from my copy editor for my New Zealand memoir called Unstuck. I'm still working on the subtitle and oh, it just felt so good. I love being at the level of copy edits because you can move quickly. You've looked at these words so many times and you're accepting the changes. And also my copy editor is a fantastic uh, dev editor too. So it kind of used her for a little bit of both of that. I think I may have mentioned that. So I have been doing that in my working time and really enjoying it. Also in this last week, I had the supreme privilege of teaching, presenting at the Surrey International Writers Conference up near Vancouver. Of course, I was there virtually. And oh my, I was I was a bit stressed out. I um I was teaching a three-hour class on publishing. It's the same information as I um present in my online, always available class called How to Publish in Today's Market. And in it, I basically talk about every single detail that goes into both traditional publishing and indie publishing. And you can, yes, you can get that class for half off right now uh, at rachelheron.com slash publish. I don't know how much longer it's going to be there for half off. So go grab that if you're interested in it. Um, And (laughs) that is a four-hour class over there that you can get, but I was pushing everything into three hours. So I was talking so quickly and it was a lot of brain power, um, but it was really, really fun. And also I got to t- teach my one-hour revision course, which I love doing. And here's the thing. I also got to teach something for an hour and a half called How to Stop Stalling and Get Your Writing Done. Now that is an online evergreen course that I've had forever. I had dark hair this was before I had gone white, right? That is up there. And I, but I didn't have a slide deck on it and I hadn't revisited that information in a really long time. And when I revisited it, there was good stuff in there. There were tips and tricks on how to get your writing done. But in the last few years, I've really thought very deeply going further into this idea. And this is what my masterclasses turn into, the 90 days to done and the 90 day revision. Um, We have so much conversation about emotional management and the true deep emotional reasons that keep us from getting to the page day after day after day. The emotional reasons that make it difficult. And so I decided to transform that class into a one hour session about of what really keeps us from the page and how we can get there in an easier, softer, kinder, gentler way. This is a book that I have been thinking about writing and I have been playing with it for the last month as I have been seeing NaNoWriMo 
come up. It's getting closer and closer and closer as I record this. It's the 26th of October and NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month is almost here. I do love to be a rebel. I like to do different things during NaNo. I'm on the writer's board. I absolutely love it. It is how I finished my first book that was published. I finally embraced the energy of NaNoWriMo. If you have never tried it, if you are hearing this on November 2nd, November 3rd, there is still time for you to join. Join us. Be a rebel. I'm going to be a rebel this year and do nonfiction. And I am declaring it here that this gentle book on how to be kind to yourself as a writer and get yourself to the page, this is what I'm going to write in November. And making it into this class solidified that for me, that it is important this is why I talk so much about kindness to the writers on this show, because I believe that as writers, we are a certain type of person. We are type A. We are perfectionist. We get stuck so easily because we worry about whether or not we're doing it right. And here's the truth. We're never doing it right. And we're never really doing it wrong as long as we're doing it. As I always say, the quote that is attributed to Ellen Langer, but nobody can find out um, exactly when or where she said it. Don't make the right decision, make the decision right. That is what we do every time we sit down or stand up to do our writing. We are making a ton of decisions and then we are making those decisions work for the piece of writing that we are supporting. And I want to write this book. And it freaks me out to say this about NaNoWriMo. I don't need another book. I don't need another book. I don't need to be writing 1,667 words a day. But I want to. So I'm pledging to try. I'm pledging to make this a goal. Y'all know how I feel about goals. They are meant to be moved and broken and then remade. And by doing that, we keep moving forward. So watch this space, see what happens. I'm excited about writing this book. And and here's the thing is I don't have all the answers and that is why I want to write it. That's why I wanted to teach it. Um, I feel like I'm always getting closer and closer to figuring out how to be a gentle, kind writer to myself, but I need this book more than anyone else or more than anyone else who lives in my body. So um, I think I might write it. Okay. There, that is that is established. Okay, let's jump into the interview here. Here is a little bio. For the past 15 years, Ching Sun Stubis has been a newspaper columnist and writes poems, essays, short stories, and original Chinese tall tales inspired by traditional Asian themes. Her writing is inflected with both Eastern and Western flavors in ways that transcend geography to touch hearts and reveal universal truths. Her memoir, Once Our Lives, is her most recent release. Please enjoy this interview and please dream a few big dreams and maybe sign up for Nano with me. I will probably be findable over there as a friend, although I always forget to do anything over there, um, at either Yarnagogo or Rachel Heron, all one word. I I, ch I have changed it back and forth a few times while I've been over there in the last 15 years. Oh my gosh, 17 years. So, uh, but find me, friend me, if you're going to do that. All right, my friends, we will talk soon. And here we go. Do you have a book you want to get out into the world? Do you feel overwhelmed with which way to go with it? Should you hire an editor? Should you search for an agent? What goes into being traditionally published? Should you think about self-publishing? What kind of marketing will you have to do? How much does all of this stuff cost anyway? So my class, How to Publish in Today's Market, will answer all your questions. 
it'll soothe your worries, and it'll give you a roadmap for moving forward. This is the same workshop I've taught at Stanford and UC Berkeley, and with more than 20 up-to-date modules and my own down-to-earth yet enthusiastic encouragement, you'll be able to make the best decisions for your publishing career. It's currently 50% off for listeners of the podcast. Just go to rachelherron.com slash publish. You'll get immediate access and all the answers you've been looking for all in one place. That's rachelherron.com slash publish. Go check it out. Well, I am so well, so happy to welcome you to the show today. Will you please share your name and your pronouns with us? My name is Ching Sun Stubis. I guess it's a she, her. That's how you say it, right? Thank you. Yes, that's perfect. And I would like to wish you, Ching, a very happy birthday today. Thank you. You have caught me on my milestone. And um, so it's extra special. Oh, it's extra special for me to be able to talk to you today. I am a big believer in birthdays being special. Some people don't feel that way. And I don't make them celebrate if they don't feel that way. But I think they are. And I just had a birthday um, two weeks ago. So we are not far apart on the calendar. So so you're, you're cancer too. I am. I love my home. <laughs> I love my shell. I love all of that. Yes. <laughs> Do you feel and like we a can cancerian? be happy? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I was brought up, uh, born brought up in China, so we didn't have cancer. I was born in a mouse year and mm. I supposed to be coming from a white mouse kingdom because Chinese baby supposed to be born a kind of pink skin and I was one so white and really freaked my mother out <laughs> and the doctor who delivered me and said that the well, the baby must be from the white mouse kingdom so I always that's, remember that now I'm a white that's mouse beautiful. that's beautiful I'm, I know that I am the year of the rat so perhaps we are we are, so we are we, we're we, relatives we, uh, we come yeah we, yeah <laughs> Maybe some sometime in the past we were. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right, let's talk about writing and your process for writing, because you know that we love to talk about process on the show. And you get a lot done. Your um, memoir just came out recently. Congratulations. But you also do a lot of other writing. When and where and how do you get it all done? Well, you know, what I found, I'm kind of a self-taught writer in the sense that I only took classes. I was an English major, but I never have actually taken like a professional writing course. Mm -hmm. My writing was triggered by um, grief. And that's Mm. how I actually I started to write. I was, you know, I loved, I loved reading. And ever since I was little, I was always, my mother always taught us to find everything in reading. And we could get out of poverty through reading. We could find our lives in reading. We find wisdom in reading. But um, I never really thought I was ever going to become a writer because I kind of adore writers too much. They were like my idols. I never thought that I could become one of them. And um, so the writing process is anything but a typical. But I guess, you know, like every road leads to Rome. So we all find our own passages. One thing why I love your shows too so much, because I felt that, you know, that all different writers come onto the show and all give a very different perspective about what writing process is like. So, you know, that uh, being a listener, someone got to find one way 
they will feel that it would resonate to what they want to do. Yes. And for mine, it's like I'm a much older writer than the typical writer because I didn't start to write until I was in my 40s. And I never took any lessons. It's the life that kind of fascinated me. And, uh, you know, about writing a memoir, my parents died and I was in deep grief. And suddenly it just, uh, all the past came back to me. And I thought about them. I thought about my Lord, you know, being very ordinary people like we, I was born in a shanty town. My family was supposed to be very ordinary. And the stories that I heard from my mother and the, my life that I shared with them, and just uh, so much of it ended the Chinese history. At that time, when in my 40s, I realized how valuable um, history was. And we lived through the biggest headlines of the Chinese history including Great Famine, including the Cultural Revolution. My mother went through the Chinese Civil War, anti-Japanese war, and all these things. So I really felt suddenly that I should have become the chronicler of the, the past, of the history. And I did not want to have the piece of history to be lost. So it kind of, a, kind of forced me in a sense that I should do the writing. I should write down the story. So I started my writing was more like writing out the past, the little pieces of the stories either I heard or I lived through. And um, so it, the writing for anyone who never had a life writing experience before, I felt that, you know, if there's something so compelling, something that you feel so special, especially to be a writer, most people do the, reading. So you kind of read a lot and you kind of know what is considered to be so special that you should try to do something for it and not let it lost. So I think that's one way that, that I started to write. And it was not a typical writing um, path, passage, but it was a, a kind of being um, brave and try to go back to the stories you didn't even want to remember. Mm -hmm. Some things were so painful that you didn't want to think about. No matter what, you wanted to continue. You wanted those things to be done on a piece of paper. But what I learned is you can never really write everything down and think it's done. Yeah. Writing down the stories, only the first step about, it's like a finding um, important things and then you try to figure out what will be the pieces that should be put together and what are the pieces that may not be included to consider like they are stories it's like a handful of sand they don't really stick together to become a book so being a writer you have to figure out how to build an arc, how to put those stories, what stories would belong into a kind of structure that you're going to build, what kind of message you really want to give to the readers. I think that those other things uh, come later. It's not going to be the first yeah. step. So I, I found that, you know, there are so many ways to make a successful book and you may find your own unique way by listening to all different writers, how they write in different ways. And then 
you may find that one thing out of, that they do actually will work for you. And then yeah. gradually figuring out. But main important thing is always keep it up. No, you know, like uh, don't let you like today I'm not gonna do raining writing. Think of other things. Think about things you want to write. The more you write, the better you're gonna be. That's what I, I believe guess the, so strongly is that is the best way for us to get better as writers to do the is to do the writing. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to doing the writing? That's a very good question because I felt that being a foreigner that um, I spent the first 29 years of my life in China. And so, so many years I spent in America, I always felt that my world tips toward the East because I spent so many more years in China than in America. The thinking process is very different um, for those two languages. So like the logic and the rationale and mm. how we want to express things. So sometimes you write things and just like, it doesn't make sense. So there are a lot of challenges. But the first challenge, the foremost, you would really, really laugh that I could not write and type at the same time when I started out. So Tell that me was more a challenge. About that. What, yeah, what would you do? What you would you do? Did you do longhand then? Or yes. Oh my goodness. I realized that. I realized that, that I couldn't type and think. And also at the time, the kids were very little. And it was very difficult for you to sit down and just like in front of the computer without some kids going to say, Mom, you know, <laughs> this is happening. So I just felt that I decided to do the old-fashioned way. Because I always remember, you know, I read so many, many um, writers from like 18th century, whatever, early 19th century, all the manuscripts were bound together with like a huge pile of paper. So I used the spiral notebooks, which were too big for my purse. So I cut them into half <laughs> and with a I pen. And what I did was when the kids went for clarinet lessons, ballet lessons, um, when, I, when, I, you know, when I'm out there at a playground, even the kids are playing, I would just thatch my you know, book and my little pen out and it's totally in my own world thinking about what I wanted to write down. And so most of the book of my book that I actually had in notebooks and they were very, very messy because you constantly have to kind of, well, someone's like, gee, I shouldn't be writing this. And no, I have to enter that. But <laughs> I had most of them written down in pile of notebooks. And I would say toward the end of writing, I actually started to manage to write, actually, typing to the computer. I'm like, Whoo, you feel like the kid's doing a potty training. Finally, you don't have to wear diapers anymore. <laughs> that kind of feeling yeah. was wonderful. And so the writing challenge, I started, you know, from step one is literally like a kid learning how to write because I never really wrote beyond writing letters. And most of the letters I wrote, of course, were to my parents on the opposite of the earth. So they were written in Chinese. Yeah. So I can, I could recite Shakespeare's sonnets. I can recite um, Longfellow, Wordsworth, you know, I loved Attica Allan Poe, but 
I only could recite, but I never really wrote anything. So, or started writing with a twenty-year-long writing journey of my、um, book of love, and so the three main ingredients for my book was the three sentences I wrote in the beginning of the book. It's with tears, with love, and from memory.、Mm-hmm. So. But you know, it was it was really a big challenge. It was a daunting task.、Um, also, a huge huge challenge is that when you write a memoir, you constantly you know have to go back to your memory to retrieve the past, and not all the people that you want to write write about were your favorite like uncles and aunts and everybody <laughs> you adore. There are a lot of people you actually disliked actively.、Yeah. And they wonder why you they hate you when you were a child. Make an example, my grandmother,、um, you know, Yatin. He, she was the one who actually、um, led the entire book. It was the opening of the book, and she was really not nice to me when I was a little girl. Never remembered any affection from her. Never gave me a present. Always saying horrible things about. That shame me for being a girl. My grandmother loved boys, like a lot、mm. of the older generation women. Even after Communist Party of China, told people like you know, men and women are equal. Girls are, were allowed to go to school, which delighted my mother because she couldn't go to school because my grandfather wouldn't let her go to school because she was a girl. Had to be educated, taught at home. So it was a lot of the challenge of, like, um, my grandmother. Um, she hated me, and I never liked her. But yet, when I went back in time in my memory, thinking about her life, the life she had long before I was born, and、um, how she became who she was. So I had to write from her perspective, and not from my perspective, because that's what history—the true history—should be written、mm-hmm. like. Was the world did not revolve around me?、Mm-hmm. It was so every, the world revolves around everybody. That's what、yeah. everybody thought. But being a writer, foremost, is how to balance the subjectiveness from you know. And the objectiveness,、yeah. because you have to balance every character and from their point of view. So that was to me also a huge challenge. But、what、I learned your, so much. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? The biggest joy, actually, the joy—so many, many joys—but biggest joy I would say is、um, when a book got published. Actually, the book united. So many, many people. They, it, the book brought to me new friends, the old fr- friends, the people that I hadn't hadn't spoken to for for years.、Mm. The people never thought would come back to me.、Um, you know, even including those who are not here anymore. I felt that they are closer to me because of the book. That's gorgeous. So it's it's it's, it's a huge. Huge thing, and also when we went for book tours,、um, the greatest joy is actually meeting these people, not just、uh, in writing. So many people told me said 
oh, you should write a prequel, you should write a sequel. We <laughs> love the book so much. And they also were a lot of uh, um, Asian people uh, of my own age said that uh, they used to ask their mother, especially mother, I guess girls are closer to mothers, about the mother's past. And a mother would often say, I don't want to talk about it. So they felt that they learned so much about that historical period of time through my book. And they said that also they started to understand why their wives, their mothers would not want to talk about this particular period of history. But, you know, never say that, you know, people always say, oh, you know, sadness. But I believe I'm ultimately, you know, inside me, I'm very Asian. And I believe that everything in each other, like it's like in yin, you know, embedded in sadness is the greatest joy mm. that you can never experience without experiencing the sadness. Yeah. And also that in the greatest happiness, sometimes you also experience those the extreme joy. You could feel that. So I feel that we should understand, you know, stretch ourselves as far as we can for happiness and sadness, just kind of it's human experience. Mm. Otherwise, you could never enjoy. That's what I feel. And that is one of the gifts that we have as a writer. And that's a gift that you gave people with your book. And I think that leads beautifully into the next question, because you're talking about this, this combining as a writer. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with our writers listening? Craft tip, um, to me, it's again, probably I would talk about um, nonfiction and fiction. They are so different. Um, as a writer, when I, I started, I was nonfiction, you know, with my memoir. And during that process of 20 years, I started to experiment poems, short stories, tall tales, essays, of all sorts, mm -hmm. from a few hundred words to a few thousand words. And I can tell you that um, you can't really tell. I mean, like when you write fiction, I wanted to just use my imagination, let them fly like as high as the sky. <laughs> and, and I could then try to make up whatever's in between juicy. And then I would talk with my husband and say, do you think that would work? And sometimes it's like a huge balloon of imagination. And he would pop it with a needle. <laughs> and I felt totally like it won't work with the fine enthusiasm. But sometimes I feel it would really, really work. So that's, but in nonfiction, facts, facts, and the facts, I feel that, you know, people write like a historical fiction. Sometimes people take historical fiction and think they're like a historical, people emphasizing more on historical than fiction. But being a writer, I feel that the ethics tells me when you write nonfiction, stick to the facts. And it's so important, but it's very hard to put facts together into a book. Because a lot of facts, they are true, but it could be very boring. It could be non-inspiring. How so to put them together? To me, the biggest metaphor, it's like quilting. I don't know if everybody would be doing quilting, but to me, the quilting is like a perfect experience about like writing a nonfiction, especially like a biography or all memoir. All we do is uh, 
essentially, you first have to have all these little swatches of fabric of a particular size, a particular pattern. And then how to put all these different swatches together is like different little uh, mm. episodes, little tidbits of facts together. Mm-hmm. So to make things more interesting, but yet you would put them together into a pattern, into a particular hue that would make it work. And then when you somehow assemble them all together, and it becomes a beautiful quilt. That's what being um, like a nonfiction writer, being a, a, a memoir writer, is have this ability, the eyes to see, to spot how those stories could be revolved around each other, would make things work. I think that's beautiful. Um, I've never heard that metaphor for it, but what I really love about that is all quilt artists will put together the pieces and the blocks. They'll put them together in different orders to suit their artistic eye and only they can. And, you know, quilt artists have their own artistic voice, just like writers, but they're moving around what already exists. I think that's it beautifully and they tell stories too yes. you know if you ever seen that like American Indian quilts and certain and uh, you know like a uh, um, New England quilts they actually mm-hmm. really tell you look at it it's like a tapestry mm-hmm. it tells you so much about what it, what the quilter was doing yeah. without words it's yes. made with fabric but oh, that's what I believe what a gorgeous, gorgeous metaphor. Thank you for that. May I ask you, what is the kindest thing that anyone's ever done for you in your writing career? I tell you, being a first-time writer, it is hard. You know, anyone who wants to become a writer and thinks like, oh, it's a beautiful dream. The beautiful <laughs> dream really is not easy to be fulfilled. Like, taking me 20 years. But I can tell you so many kind people along the way and what really, when my book was finally put together and it came to the point, you know, I was working with finally um, with an editor and, uh, um, you know, designing the book cover and came to be a very crucial question. Whose words would grace the back jacket? Mm. And it's like, oh, who would you want to have a quote on the back of your book? I'm like, do I know anyone being a first time writer? Mm-hmm. You know, I did not have a lot of like, friends like writers. So my husband popped me the question, who would you want to be? I'm like, the best Chinese writers? How about Gish Jin? How about Amy Tan? How about the, you know, um, Helen Zia? And I just finished reading her book, The Last Boat Out of Shanghai. And my husband said, why don't you write to them? You know, craft a query letter and write to them. I'm like, uh, they don't know me. Do you think they would write, you know, like for me and, and bother to read my book? Now, story comes short. My book has their quotes. Helen Zia, <laughs> who wrote, thank you, Mr. Nixon, who read my book and she raved about my book. She loved it. And she, in spite of her busy schedule as a Harvard professor, as a, a writer, as a lecturer, she's she's like sought after everywhere. Mm. She wrote me a quote. 
and Helen Zia, who used to be the um, like chief editor of Ms. Magazine, and she is a great, great woman, inspirational woman, and she wrote for me. So I really felt like, oh my Lord, did people really do things for you, even oh, though they are famous. Don't be afraid. All the listeners out there, don't be afraid yeah. to ask. The worst you can get is no. Yeah. And I thought that I learned so uh, such a big lesson. And another person was that a, a beautiful, very successful architect designer named um, Dahlia Hamoud. I met her when I was being interviewed by a television station locally. And I was never on the TV before. So I was kind of a little bit nervous, and, you know, whatever you call that. And she was there and then we started to talk and her big bright eyes and big smile. She finished her interview. She stood up, she was behind waiting for me to finish mine. And then she actually came to my book event oh. in Washington, D.C. And with a beautiful bouquet of flowers, I'm like, oh, I am, you know, so lucky, you know, I, and a lot of people who I did not know had even, I met at my book event because mm -hmm. they came and they, among them was a, a reverend uh, um, Marcia Dyson. She's a, you know, civil activist in United States, a very, very, famous, beautiful, smart woman who has an immense schedule. And she actually came to my book event <laughs> and sat and talked to me for an hour. And it really moved me. So I, I feel there's so many beautiful oh, things. So many this. What a people list. did, you know. What a list of kindnesses that you have collected for this. So may I ask you, what is the kindest thing you've ever done for yourself as a writer? I think... The biggest word here is kindest, kind. I think we often forget being a writer. We are very judgmental. Mm. We judge ourselves like, mm -hmm. how did you do? Oh, this is horrible. I had to wipe it out. And these days we don't even have the pleasure of like tearing the paper and <laughs> hear the sound or burn them in a fireplace, right? And we only can just delete his, whatever highlight and delete. Yeah. <laughs> and no sound, there's no satisfaction. But we are critical. We, you know, if we don't get published, we don't have our road, like kind of very low moments. We we felt that the whole world is against us. Like mm. nobody would ever want to read our words. And you know, but I felt that uh, when we are really in a low moment. We shouldn't be the one to judge and against ourselves. Mm. We should be kind to ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we often do it for the others, don't we? Easy. Like if some Easy. friend, yeah, coming, we lend them a shoulder. We, we would make them a cup of tea. We gave some kind words, but we don't do enough kind things for ourselves. So I really felt that, you know, um, when, I, when I get a rejection letter, and when I felt not happy, and sometimes I would just say to myself, you know what, there's another day tomorrow. It's yeah. not last day. This person doesn't like it doesn't mean the other person wouldn't. You get a, a you get a hundred rejections, and you may get a one says, 
Hooray, I love it. So I think just be kind to ourselves. I think that's the kindest thing I can do for myself. I love your answer. And that's why I continue to ask this question because it's something I forget so easily and so quickly, but just like putting your hand on your heart and saying, it's okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Like that is such a beautiful thing to do for ourselves that we would do for anyone else. And we forget. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Will you share um, the best book that you have recently read and why did you love it? You know, there's so many books that I can talk about, but I thought it is extremely important for me to talk about this particular book because the book I have um, is my friend. The book is literally to me is like a live person by now after mm-hmm. uh, over 40, 40 years. Mm-hmm. I first met that book when I would, you know, um, just by luck, China restarted a college exam, entrance college exam. So anyone who's, you know, who would do well could go to college after the Cultural Revolution. And I got into actually the second best uh, language colleges in China called the Shanghai Institute of Foreign Languages. And literally when after I arrived in school, the library was still filled with books laden with dust and spider webs oh, because wow. the librarians didn't have time enough to even clean the yeah. books. And I found this book called 101 Famous Poems. Um, I was in love with the book because mm. I felt that it, it was filled with these famous poems from Whitman, from Longfellow, from Wordsworth, from Shakespeare, from Byron, from Keats, uh, from Pope. And they are also short. So, you know, I just, I was a, a language learner. And uh, so sometimes you pick a short uh, poem, you can repeatedly kind of um, savor it. Um, and I started to read it before the bedtime. And then soon I realized I had a week left in it. I had to turn the book in and um, I started uh, this foolish project. I took out a notebook. I started to copy the entire book (laughs) into that notebook just so I could have it under my pillow and I could open to any page and I could read. And um, I was fascinated. I fell in love with Abraham Lincoln at the time because among those poems, there were also like Ten Commandments, Gettysburg Address, and uh, Magna Carta, and um, the Declaration of Independence. So I read The Government of the People, By the People, and For the People. I fell in love with those few words, and I wanted to know everything about Abraham Lincoln. The more I knew about him, the more I adored him. And so then when I got my job as a a tour escort for the Americans in the 80s, um, when I did not know what to do, I was not a trained tour escort after just a couple of weeks of training. And I had to lead busloads of Americans in the 1980s. And often I felt that I ran out of words. So I would recite sonnets to my passengers. 
And many of them asked me what books I loved. And I said, 101 poems. One woman from California actually found a publisher and bought a book and mailed it all the way to China. And I had a copy of that book of my (laughs) own. So it's been sitting on my night table every single day. And it kind of reminds me who I am, my practically entire life of learning English. Mm. And that book was accompanying me. And the book accompanied me on my journey for being a writer as well. And sometimes when I am down and I'm low, I would always turn to Longfellow's sonnet um, about a um, psalm of life that he wrote. Mm. And I... By now, I can, I can memorize it, so I would close my eyes and just think about a poem, and um, somehow my world is brighter. So that that's a book makes, I read every other day. That makes me so <laughs> happy. I, um, my, my smile is just like hurting my cheeks. That is gorgeous. I, I am also, <laughs> I have been in love with the romantics for so long, Byron and Keats and Shelley and Longfellow and Wordsworth. And, um, and then to add to that, the others that surrounded it and to have the kindness of speaking of kindness as the kindness of that woman to send you the book. And it's still on your nightstand. That is incredible. And she inscribed the book. So I always have her name and oh. her inspirational writing, you know, as well. So yeah, it, it's very gorgeous. special. That's gorgeous. Will you, speaking of special books, will you tell us please a little bit about Once Our Lives, which is now available everywhere? Yes. So, um, Once Our Lives is the story of four generations of Chinese women struggling during war, revolution, and also struggling against an ancient Chinese superstition that the entire family struggled for over a hundred years. It's a book about ordinary people doing extraordinary things in anything but ordinary times. And um, it's a, it's now available on Amazon. Um, you know, like uh, I even find that a lot of independent bookstores that carry the book. And it, it, a lot of people are telling me that they couldn't stop um, reading. So they essentially, they said, I stopped eating. I stopped drinking because I <laughs> want to see what happened to all the characters and, and their lives. And they are not sad stories. It's also a story about the love. It's about, the, you know, like how strong people can be mm-hmm. during hard times. And, and I think that um, it's a book that uh, would make everyone stronger and give also show them a, a different perspective mm-hmm. of lives. Thank you so much for sharing that and for writing it. And where can we find you out there online? You can find me um, on my web. I have a website called www.chingsunstubis.com, just my entire name. Mm-hmm. And I am on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I quitted Twitter because I yeah, felt it too. was rather. <laughs> I just, I, I felt time. really, really bad. Yeah, I had to. 
But um, I have my email address listed as well on my um, you know website, so anyone can get in touch with me. And um, I also um, love book clubs as well. That any book clubs you know would want to read a book and would like to talk to me, they can certainly email me. Um, finding the email address um, on my website and email me, and I would love to be on Zoom and uh, ask you know ask me questions, and I will answer the questions. And I think that uh, I would want this piece of history to be spread. Yeah. Um, all over the world. That's what I like. Thank you so much. What a delight it has been to talk to you. I wish you the happiest of birthdays today. And thank you for being here with thank our you. writers. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.